Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com. We're back after a one-week hiatus from the Take 10 Podcast, back with an all-new episode and a new interview that aligns with Big Ten Bowl season and a very big bowl game coming up here in the conference. So, like I said, took last week off, uh, was out of town and unable to do a show, but we're back and the interview this week I think is one you'll really enjoy, especially if you are an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, because with the Buckeyes back in the Rose Bowl for the first time since 2010, we decided to get a guest who, um, one, is a very notable name in Buckeyes football history, but uh, also it's somebody who, with Ohio State coming up on their 50th anniversary of one of their national championship teams in 1968, and the 50th anniversary of the 1969 Rose Bowl coming up here. It's a guest who we were able to get in kind of a commemorative sense, and uh, he was able to reflect on the events 50 years ago, that historic season um, in 68, and the historic Rose Bowl in 69 that was a victory for the Buckeyes. And that guest is the quarterback of that team in 1968, Rex Kern. Rex was one of the best players in Ohio State history. Buckeyes fans uh, already know that if they're listening. Named as uh, one of the best Buckeyes of all time, was MVP of the 1969 Rose Bowl, played a handful of years in the NFL on defense uh, with the Baltimore Colts and a couple other teams. And uh, as I ran through some of those accomplishments, it was one of the most decorated players in Ohio State history. So I was able to get him on, and, and he reflected in depth about that season, about his path to Ohio State, about that team's path to the Rose Bowl, and the events of that game and everything surrounding that Rose Bowl and and it was really fascinating to hear him reflect and really reminisce on as you'll see here coming up a different time in college football but uh, I do it in a way that was very sharp and interesting and kind of took me back and even though I was far from being born at that point I was able to kind of envision the whole scenarios as he laid them out Uh, really fun discussion with Mr. Rex Kern 1968 quarterback of the national championship winning Ohio State Buckeyes. So with bowl season coming up, I wanted to do something special and uh, Rex was able to provide that. So thanks to him. Hopefully have uh, a couple other chats before Big Ten football wraps up and uh, basketball gets in full swing. But a really timely interview with Rex Kern coming up and we'll get to that in just a moment. Before we get to Rex, a word from our sponsor, the Northwestern University School of Professional Studies, which provides a great opportunity for anyone out there listening who might want to work in the sports industry or improve their uh, career prospects in the sports industry. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. Like I said, really good opportunity there. Anyone who wants to work in this field, check it out, and uh, highly encourage uh, looking into it. All right, as mentioned at the top, our guest today is Rex Kern, the former Ohio State quarterback, who is celebrating uh, not only the 50th anniversary of special season, an undefeated season for Ohio State in 1968, but uh, coming up here, he'll celebrate the 50th anniversary of him winning MVP, which as you'll hear in a little bit, he's uh, very modest and humble about, but winning MVP of the 1969 Rose Bowl game when Ohio State defeated USC Trojans led by OJ Simpson. So really cool discussion with Rex and I'll stop previewing it and 
let you listeners hear it in Rex's own words. It's the Take 10 podcast discussion with Rex Kern, and it starts right now. I'm very pleased to be joined by a former quarterback for Ohio State. I'm sure he's celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Buckeyes 1968 National Championship season still right now. He's coming up on 50 years to the day since he quarterbacked Ohio State to a Rose Bowl victory over USC. It's Rex Kern. Mr. Kern, how are you today? I'm doing great, Alex. Please call me Rex, will you? <laughs> Rex, will do. I'll, I'll call you Rex from here on out. Um, and, you know, we were scheduled to, to start this call here at 3 p.m. On a, on a Tuesday afternoon Chicago time, and I feel a little bad for not calling you at 2.50 because I, I heard you always on Woody Hayes' time, which is 10 minutes ahead, right? Absolutely, Alex. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, hey, you don't want to be late. You'll lock the door and you can't get into the meeting. <laughs> That's a real thing, huh? And, and to this day, I, you still follow that that uh, 10 minutes early mantra, right? No, absolutely. I, it drives my wife nuts, Nancy, and she just says, wait a minute, you're no longer playing. Set the clock right. I said, it is right. I said, it, it must be early. <laughs> to this day, Woody Hayes' impact... Uh, Still resonates. So, Rex, before I ask you to really dig deep and reminisce here, I'm curious, uh, here in 2018, does it feel like 50 years have passed since that 1968 season? No, no it really doesn't, uh, Alex. We, uh, we've we had uh, two functions this past year with uh, our teammates of uh, the 68 National Championship team, and uh, we kind of look around and we go, hey, how do we get here? It can't be 50 years. <laughs> and then you see us walk and try to uh, ambulate, and then <laughs> we know that it's been at least 50. So tell me about those reunions this past year for the 50th anniversary. Which, uh, Where were they, and which games did you guys all gather for and get back together? Well, uh, the first one was in January, and it wasn't during a game. It was during a uh, function where there were uh, uh, where there was an autograph session, and uh, we all came back, and uh, or at least I, I think we had about uh, 35 to 40 guys, and several coaches made it back for that. And then this past football season for the Minnesota game. We got together, and it's always like it was just yesterday. Uh, I'll never forget Alex. uh, Woody said to me, uh, after our playing days, he said, Rex, I never had a team that enjoyed one another's company like your team does. He said, it's just remarkable. Uh, And this happened uh, at our 10th year reunion, and at that time, Alex – Many of us were still playing in the NFL, and it was during the springtime when he had uh, his uh, high school coaching clinic. And every time a player would come in, whether it was uh, uh, Dave Foley, Jack Tatum, uh, Mike Sensenball, John Brockington, Jim Otis, they'd come in and the whole squad get up and go greet them. It it was just quite uh, phenomenal. You guys share old war stories and catch up, I assume, during your, your time on back on Ohio State campus? Yes, we do. And uh, like I said earlier, and as you identified, it's hard to believe 50 years has passed. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're here, and uh, it's, time keeps moving on. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get into that 1968 season here specifically in just a moment. But first I want to hear about what led you to Ohio State 
to play football because from what I've read, you're a pretty good athlete in other sports and could have played basketball or baseball as well, right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, I had always wanted to go to Ohio State, Alex, and uh, play basketball for Fred Taylor. When I was in the fourth grade, uh, Jerry Lucas, John Havlicek, uh, Mel Noll, Joe Roberts, uh, Larry Siegfried, Bob Knight, and a group of those sophomores uh, in that class went on and kind of did what we did. They won the national championship in basketball. And uh, as my career progressed in high school, Fred Taylor had uh, a TV show uh, on Sundays during uh, their basketball season. And he would bring in a player of the week. And I was on Fred's show uh, multiple times. And uh, I just wanted to go to Ohio State and play basketball. And Woody uh, didn't really get into the mix of uh, recruiting me football-wise until just about my senior year. And I had uh, already started uh, receiving inquiries from uh, uh, Notre Dame at that time to play football and uh, from uh, John Wooden and Dean Smith to play basketball at uh, UCLA and uh, NC uh, or University of North Carolina and so when I went to Ohio State uh, I just I, I just really felt at home there and my basketball coach said uh, hey Kersey he said uh, where do you really want to go to school and I said well I want to go to Ohio State but I'm not sure uh, Woody and Fred will let me play both at Ohio State. And he said, that's the only reason? And I said, yes. And he said, okay. And apparently he went in and must have called Coach Taylor. And Coach Taylor and uh, Woody got together and decided that uh, I would be a football scholarship guy. And that would free up a scholarship for Fred in basketball. And so that happened. And the minute that happened, I said, yeah, I'd love to be an Ohio State Buckeye. Well, that's incredible. You had not only Woody Hayes, but you mentioned John Wooden and Dean Smith also recruiting you at once. That's I'm sure not many people can say that. Well, I'm sure there there are quite a few out there, Alex, <laughs> that could. You know? It's a different era, I guess, these days. Yes, absolutely. And you were also drafted to play uh, Major League Baseball, is that right? Yes, yes. I was drafted by the old Kansas City Athletics, which was the uh, uh, Charlie Finley Oakland A's and uh, would have been in that class with uh, Reggie Jackson, Vida Blue, uh, Sal Bando. And uh, those guys put together a pretty good streak, winning several world championships in Oakland. So uh, that would have been a class that I could have been in. Pretty incredible, but it worked out pretty well for you going to Ohio State. And I have to ask, were you hesitant at all to play quarterback for Woody Hayes? Because he's known for saying the three things that could happen on a pass, two of them are bad. So I'm sure you knew that going in. Well, uh, you know, uh, I didn't really think that much about that because uh, I played in a high school offense that was very similar to uh, – uh, Ohio State offense except my senior year in high school to where we kind of went to a little more open like we did my sophomore year at Ohio State and uh, now I, you know, I, I guess uh, 
you know, Alex, that's the first time somebody's ever asked me that question. I, I don't really think I thought much about the offense that Ohio State was running. Uh, and so I guess I was kind of going into that blind uh, right out of high school. Well, it's kind of inconceivable now, but back in the 60s, freshmen weren't even allowed to play on the varsity team. So at the time, when you were that age, did anybody think that was kind of weird? Like, was there a push at the time for it to be like it is today where freshmen can play with the upperclassmen? And and for a group like you guys that were so talented, did you look at the upperclassmen and think, hey, we we can play with these guys. We might be better than some of them. Well, uh we, we uh, Alex uh, Snicker, we, we had, oh, golly, we had so much talent on that freshman team. It was frightening. And uh, to not to be able to play, that, that was just uh, what we entered into. And, you know, to this day, Alex, uh, I, I'm probably one of those uh, holistic people that you look at it. But uh, I think freshmen – uh, not being able to participate in uh, a varsity sport is really, really beneficial for all those kids. Uh, and people will say, well, why do you say that? The reason is, number one, I, I believe the reason you go to a university or a college, you're going there to get an education. Because even though there are a lot more zeros on an NFL career check than what I received when I played, you know, what are you going to do the rest of your life? And Woody always told us that he and Fred Taylor both said, Rex, you come to the Ohio State University and you will have the opportunity to play the best basketball in the country the best football in the country but you'll be able to get a great education number one and then play your sport and then number three you'll make lifetime friends out of your teammates and that component is missing Alex where the kids uh, they go into an academic environment and with the way the schedule is today the the kids are not even going to class before they're playing their first first football game and so our freshman year i really believe gave us the opportunity as freshmen to get to know one another get to know the college environment go to class and really melt together and that that was really an important part of our uh success yeah and you mentioned all those lifelong friends to this day that you still keep from that class and and you also mentioned how frighteningly good that freshman team was and it turned into what would be known as the super sophomores for ohio state you guys had 10 sophomore starters on the 1968 team so rex when did you know for sure that that class would be not only you know a good team, but a historically good class that could lead to great things. <laughs> well, his first day of practice when we were freshmen, it, it was uh, it was quite an eclectic group of guys that had uh, 
uh, enormous talent. Uh, gee, just coming from the state of Ohio, Alex, we had uh, the uh, Mr. Ohio football in our running back, Leofus Hayden, out of Dayton Roosevelt. And we had uh, 11 high school Americans on that football team. And that was uh, really the first year that uh, – Woody and his staff went outside of the state of Ohio to recruit kids. And uh, <laughs> the names I'm going to uh, tell you that they got, they they could have gone anywhere in the nation. Uh, <laughs> they got Jack Tatum from Passaic, New Jersey. They got John Brockington from New York. They got Jan White from Pennsylvania. Got Timmy Anderson from Fallensby, West Virginia. They got Bruce Jankowski from Fairlawn, New Jersey. And it, I mean, what, what a group right there. I mean, you talk about Tate and Brock uh, and Leo, those three guys were number one picks in the draft. And Jan White, our tight end, was the first pick in the second round. And uh, Timmy Anderson was a first pick also in the first round with the 49ers. So first day of practice, it was a real fight, Alex, for guys to get practice time. And, of course, we would divide up and split and go down and go against the varsity defense. And our defense, guys like Steel Wagon and Doug Adams and Sensible and Anderson and Tatum would go down and play defense against the varsity. And, and you know, we would get together after practice on the bus going back for the evening meal. And we just kind of chuckle and say, well, you know, we kind of had our way with the varsity again today. Yeah, and you guys arrive on the scene and you have immediate success once you guys are able to play on the varsity team. Uh, you go undefeated in the regular season in that 1968 year. So if you could just take me through some of your favorite memories from that regular season on the way to the Rose Bowl. Well, Alex, the, uh, uh, I, I guess probably the fondest memory, you asked uh, when I thought we knew we would be good. Well, uh, that happened the first day, but uh, during spring practice, my freshman year, I noticed that I had a lingering, uh, I thought I had a, uh, a hamstring pull going down uh, my left leg, and uh, the doggone thing just lingered until uh, I couldn't get out of bed one morning, and so I had my roommate call the trainer, and I went over, and found out uh, shortly thereafter that I had ruptured a disc in my back. And I didn't even know if I would be able to participate with the group of freshmen come fall as sophomores. And uh, mid to late June, I went in and had my first back surgery. And 45 days later, I was able to put uh, the pads on and we had our opening game with Southern Methodist and uh, uh, a well-known statistic that day. They, they had a guy by the name of Chuck Hickson and Jerry Levias as their wide receiver, Chuck being their quarterback. They threw, Chuck threw the ball that day, Alex, 76 times. Wow. That was 
that was probably more than I threw in one season. Could have been <laughs> could have been two years. Uh, but anyway, it really baptized our defense, and they did a heck of a job. And uh, I guess one of the things that a lot of people talk about, there was a situation in the game that on early in the game, we were backed up against our own end zone, and it was third down and eight or ten. And all of a sudden, Woody sends in the punt team, and so he punts on third down. And we're kind of thinking, you know, why, why do you punt on third down? But I think his rationale was he's got so many sophomores out there, he's afraid we'd screw up and, uh, and, and not be successful. So anyway, we punt, and then about two minutes to go before the halftime, we're at midfield, and we are just missing on all cylinders and it comes up fourth and fourth and 10 and uh, Woody gets ready to send Mike sends a ball or punter in and I see I see this start to take place and I grab our guys and I say hey, let's huddle up and I wave Woody off the field and send some ball off the field and the stadium went silent because nobody had ever demonstrated that kind of uh, <laughs> uh, ignorance or stupidity with Woody and I called a play and the play was robust fullback delay and that meant that Jim Otis went up he would block about one and a half two seconds on the defensive end and then slide over the middle and I'd hit Odie over the middle and I, I swore Odie would get a first down. Well, sure enough, we come up the line of scrimmage. They got a fire game coming, the defensive halfback, and he's unblocked and and the next thing I know, Odie's got the defensive end, the two linebackers covering him, so that he's got three on one and the fire game, the guy who's firing hits me in the backfield about eight yards deep. I go up in the air and I do a pirouette and land on my feet and run for my life and pick up the first down. And I think that helped set the tone that uh, there was something uh, special in this group and uh, we we weren't going to necessarily live by the three yards in a cloud of dust. We, we were capable of doing a whole lot more. Yeah, bringing a and new... So, New era to Big Ten football, for sure. Yeah, so that, that, that was the beginning, but really the big test came uh, two games after that. We played Oregon and handled Oregon in our stadium, and then uh, Purdue came in, and they had really whacked us the year before, 45 to maybe 7 or 13. It, it was really embarrassing in our own stadium. And they had uh, an All-American candidate uh, who really – uh, and the Heisman candidate, uh, Leroy Kelly, saying that uh, <laughs> nobody can cover him, uh, or Leroy Keyes, I'm sorry, man-to-man, uh, uh, -man, and that's all Jack Tatum needed to hear. And we came out and played them uh, to a 13 to nothing uh victory for the Buckeyes and that really catapulted us uh, going into the Big Ten Conference and we uh, 
kind of uh, worked our way through the schedule and we go out to Illinois and golly, uh, we're having our way with the Illini that day and we go up on them. I think it was maybe uh, three touchdowns and they come out the second half and all of a sudden a couple minutes to go in the game uh, they they have tied the score on us and uh, I got injured, I got knocked out and Ron Masachowski my uh, cohort comes in and Mace takes the team right down the field and scores and uh, we escape that one and so we had several really close games that year that made it uh, real refining for us to, to be in a close game. You always see uh, how well you perform, and, and we did exceptionally well and win the Big Ten, and we get ready to go on to the Rose Bowl, and we're excited to go to the Rose Bowl, and we break after uh, – after the season and uh, then we break for finals and Woody allows us to go home for a little bit and we come back and we get ready to work out for uh, the Rose Bowl playing Southern Cal who was the previous year national champion and uh, one of the great running backs of all time OJ Simpson uh, leading that football team and when we started to go to practice, we were practicing inside. And prior to that, one of our guys uh, raised his hand in a team meeting and said to Coach A, said, Coach, hey, can we go out early to the West Coast and get used to the hot weather out there? And Woody said, you know, that's a pretty good idea, but we're bound by a Big Ten rule that we can't go out on – uh, any earlier date than we're scheduled to, and so uh, we're not going to be able to do that. So anyway, we're going to the indoor facility, Alex, and on the bus ride over, we're really all excited for practice and so forth, and all of a sudden we go in, and Woody has turned the temperature on the inside facility up to 97 to 98 degrees, and boy, we started to have mutiny at that point in time, but yet there was still excitement in the air. And uh, so uh, right after we did our individual work, uh, then we split up and uh, we were with our quarterback coach and the running backs were with Woody and they were tackling the tackling dummy and Woody was all fired up and he yelled at our quarterback coach, George Chop. He said, hey, George, bring your quarterbacks over here and let's let them hit the tackling dummy well i go over and i'm the first one in line and i hadn't hit the tackling dummy for about a year and i went up alex and i hit the tackling dummy and i fell to the ground in pain and woody runs over and he goes rex what's wrong i looked up and i said coach you know i think i dislocated my shoulder and he goes, oh, he said, Ernie, Ernie. Ernie was our uh, trainer, and Ernie came over, and uh, he said, Rex, what happened? I said, I think it dislocated my shoulder, Ernie. Ernie said, uh, let me see, and he checked it out and popped it back in and looked up at Woody and said, Coach, he's done. Yeah, he, he separated his shoulder, and Woody goes, okay, that's enough of this tackling stuff for the day. 
And so, Alex, I didn't practice uh, going to the West Coast until three, four, five days before the Rose Bowl because I, my arm was in a sling and I was strapped. And uh, they made a contraption where I couldn't raise my left arm any higher than, uh, not much higher than 50 or 60 degrees so it wouldn't dislocate. And so uh, we go to the Rose Bowl and we're practicing out there. And of course, uh, the way Woody would have it, uh, he thought, uh, he had to whip us into shape and he took uh, of all things he 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 got these things going through his mind that well i don't think you guys should be drinking milk for breakfast or milk out of here because it it's sucking the wind out of your lungs and we're thinking what where'd this thought come from <laughs> and anyway he takes milk away from us and we're not allowed to drink milk and then we're uh, getting ready for the game and he says uh well we're leaving the hotel where we stayed the huntington sheraton hotel we're gonna leave the hotel and we're gonna spend the night by ourselves in a local monastery a monastery go, monastery <laughs> Oh, holy cow. So we we go up to the monastery, and uh, of course you never get a good night's sleep the night before the game, but when you got coyotes howling and yelling at you, that even makes it a little more more difficult. We got up the next morning, and you see guys saying, hey, did you sleep? No. I said, hey, Tate, did you sleep? He goes, Rex, you kidding me? Those coyotes were keeping me awake all night long. Well, so anyway, Rex, you uh, mentioned you mentioned some of the unconventional things that Woody did at the monastery, probably above all that. But I, I read somewhere that he also had you guys get taped up for practice on the plane because he didn't want you guys getting distracted in Southern California. He wanted you guys to, to go right to practice after the flight to L.A. Is that is that right? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yes. I, I forgot that one, Alex. I'm sorry. Yes. As soon as as soon as we broke camp in Columbus, we, we board the plane and uh, we bank out of Port Columbus and we get close to Chicago and the trainer comes comes on the PA system and says, uh, all right, we're going to begin taping everyone's ankles in the back and, you know, such and such position. Uh, you start going to the back and we'll keep calling you out. And we look at one another and we go, Wait a minute. We got that was probably five hour flight to LA and holy cow, we go in the back of the plane and they set up uh, the trainers taping our ankles. And uh, yeah, Woody Woody wanted us to be prepared and so right after we uh, right after we landed, we did have to go to uh, we did have to go to the Huntington Sheraton for some of the hoopla and then uh, out to practice. But it was interesting when we landed, Alex, at uh, LAX, uh, the Tournament of Roses, uh, the president and the uh, queen and the court and the dignitaries show up to meet the visiting team. And so when we're getting off the airplane, at that time, Chrysler provided cars and drivers 
to get us around to practice and Disneyland and so forth. And it started to rain. And so Dave Foley, Ted Provost, and I jumped in one of the cars. And guys, uh, a couple of nanoseconds after that, uh, Teddy and I were in the back seat, and Teddy's door opens up, and this lovely princess wants to jump in the car and i'm thinking hey this is pretty cool i thought ted would put her in the middle but being a good defensive back he sat in the middle on sandwich b and the princess jumped in and sat next to ted and i sat next to ted and uh, she started carrying on a conversation and uh, lo and behold uh, we kind of struck up a relationship and uh, uh, just about 50 years ago uh, in uh, two days uh, I will have known uh, Nancy Heno Kern who is my wife of 46 years come January and uh, I met her at the Rose Bowl our sophomore year when we went out and so uh I had something else to play for during that game. <laughs> That's it. crazy. You met your wife to this day at the Rose Bowl because she happened to hop in a car with your, uh, I guess, your procession to, to to practice and with the Rose Bowl dignitaries. That's that's an amazing story. Yeah, it was fun. So how did that uh, how did that proceed? I guess after the Rose Bowl, after everything was wrapped up, you guys stayed in touch. Yes, we did. Uh, of course, it, it was interesting after, uh, you know, after the game, uh, the very next day, we had a free day off, and Woody and Bill Bill Hess, <coughs> pardon me, was uh, uh, one of Woody's coaches previous years, but Bill Hess was then the head coach at Ohio University, and he and Bill Hess uh, jumped on a plane and went to Vietnam and spoke to our troops, and so we had that day off, and Nancy was kind to uh, take me down to Newport Beach and show me some of the areas, and so we kept in touch, and uh, I went out springtime to uh, visit with her, and then... She transferred back to Ohio State. She was a year younger than I, and so she came back uh, her uh, sophomore, junior, and senior year and uh, graduated. And uh, my second year in Baltimore, we got married uh, after the season. Crazy how things work out. You know, you guys make the Rose Bowl, and you meet your wife, and who knows, you know, if, if you guys would have had a different season, how things could have turned out differently, but that's incredible. Um, also, Rex, I wanted to touch on some of the other festivities leading up to the Rose Bowl game because the Rose Bowl is all about pageantry and celebrity and there's the parade. And I wanted to ask if anything else uh, happened or any other events stood up to you in the kind of pregame proceedings and all the hoopla that surrounds that, as you called it. Well, you know, it was really kind of interesting because Woody sheltered us from that. And I finally figured out after our playing days, you know, the media uh, was relentless on Woody. And, you know, if you look at most of the articles, there's probably more written about Woody than about his football team. 
and I think that was part of Woody's uh, diversion, if you will, that he did not want them writing about the team or take anything uh, a way that would give the opponents what we're going to be doing. And so he really kept it on himself. And he, you know, he had an ongoing feud with uh, Murray out there, and probably all the all the sports writers. But uh, you know, one of the big things, uh, of course, we obviously obviously didn't get to uh, go see any of the uh, floats being made and all that pageantry. Um, although. Uh, another teammate, uh, uh, teammate of mine, Kevin Rusnak, and I, uh, Nancy, did suggest that we go see the floats uh, one evening. So Kevin and I were able to do that, and uh, with Nancy and one of the other princesses, and then we went to uh, the uh, we went to Knott's Berry's farm as a team and. Then, of course, Disneyland, and that was a lot of fun because I'll bet 99% of our team had never been to California before, and going to Disneyland was really a, a treat for all of us Midwestern kids, and it was just a delightful time, and of course, Woody didn't want us to get fat and happy and sassy, and so you know, he was doing his very best to keep keep uh, the reins on us and, and he did a pretty good job but uh, when it when it came time to play uh, oh, we were ready to go except uh, we didn't offensively we didn't well I didn't get on track Alex until about uh, <laughs> four minutes before the end of the first half, uh, you know, I had missed uh, one of our uh, wing backs. Larry Zelina was wide open on a pass pattern, and good golly, uh, I overthrew Z. And, uh, Alex, if you look at that film, and if any of your viewers have the opportunity to look at the film, I remember when we went to Disneyland and. Southern Cal was there as well, so it was a photo op session. We got to meet OJ and Steve Soggy and those guys, and I saw their defense. I thought, holy cow, this is San Diego Chargers. <laughs> so these, these guys are monsters. Uh, I mean, my center, Alex, at that time, Johnny Malbach, was not any taller than I was. Johnny was probably 5'11 with his cleats on, and Johnny was probably 195, 205. Uh, our two big tackles, our All-American great tackles, but better people, Dave Foley and Rufus Mays were 6'5", 245. And if you look at that, Watch the offensive line play. Our guys controlled the offensive line from the very beginning of the game. And it was just incredible. And so, uh, you know, after uh, after SC goes up 10 nothing, uh, they kick off and uh, I run into the huddle and I basically paraphrase something like, hey, we've screwed around long enough. We need to get 
in gear, I would probably give myself the pep talk because I needed to get in gear. And we took the ball and uh, moved it right down the field. There were great catches by Ray Gillian, our wing back, who made a diving catch of my pass. And Jan White made another diving catch catch of my pass so Alex you're picking up on how accurate I was right these guys are diving to catch my passes I'm barely getting it to them <laughs> and anyway uh, we go down we score and now it's 10 to 7 and then all of a sudden we uh, come back and uh, kick a field goal we tie it going in at halftime and that was really a real revelation because we couldn't kick an extra point, let alone a field goal, during the season. But one of the critical components was I, I think we were sluggish because the heat, when we got there for game time, of course, being a Midwest school, we still had our Midwest jerseys. And we're out during warm-ups, and we're getting ready to go in before the game starts. And uh, Woody says to Jim Otis, he says, Jim, how do you feel? And bless Otis's heart, Otis said, Coach, he said, I can hardly breathe out there. He said, I can't get my breath. He said, you know, I'm just not breathing with my heavy jersey on. Well, when we went into the locker room, our equipment manager had brought out our fishnet jerseys just in case we needed those and Alex ironically that day was the first day that the fishnet jersey was introduced to college football and if you look at our Buckeye leaves on our helmet that was the first day that the nation got to see decals on a college football helmet. Our uh, trainer, Ernie Biggs and Woody, decided that uh, they would put together a reward system for our team's individual awards for great plays. And so Woody, every Monday, would give out a, a Buckeye Leaf decal on your helmet and those were given out sparingly, Alex, at that time. Holy cow, if you look at the Buckeye leaves on the on our Ohio State helmets today, it looks like they even get one to go to practice, let alone, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Woody had them sparingly. And uh, it looks like uh, they sure are making a lot of great plays. But uh, that was kind of interesting leading up to that game and then – in the second half, uh, we just uh, uh, got better and better and better and uh, really took control of the game. Our defense played lights out, and uh, they caused several fumbles, gave us turnovers, and we just uh, we just continued playing the way we did. And we went in, at, and after the game, uh, one of the uh, doors to our locker room uh, flew open and it was O.J. Simpson and Juice came in the locker room and uh, he just wanted to congratulate us on a great game and said you guys deserve to be number one you're the best team we played all year long and so uh, that that was quite uh, 
quite a year, 1968. Absolutely. And I wanted to back up because it mentioned, or it sounded like you mentioned, uh, you know, some early miscues when you overthrew some guys and you might have been a little nervous. So just with the Rose Bowl being the big deal that it is, I read that Richard Nixon was in attendance of that game. That kind of speaks to the magnitude of it. Did you feel nerves or were you just a little bit off? No, I, I, I really think uh, I, I really think it was that shoulder harness that I had on and had really disrupted my rhythm. Uh, you know, qu- quite candidly, I, I'm not sure we really remember Nixon and Ronald Reagan was there as the governor of uh, California. Uh, I, I was... Uh, probably more nervous uh if we don't perform well uh you know we're we're not going to look very good representing the big 10 conference and we just wanted to uh we we wanted to make uh, a great impression on the nation because uh i believe penn state was in the mix for the national championship that year but uh, we just wanted to take that one game at a time and the rose bowl was there and it, it, yes, uh, probably a little bit of nerves too, Alex. I mean that that was a pretty doggone big event, especially for Ohio kids that uh, grew up watching the uh, Rose Parade and the Rose Bowl, and that was the uh, biggest thing in my life. And being out there, it uh, it probably made me a little nervous, Alex. So one of the turning points, at least I've read about kind of looking back on that game, was uh, Lou Holtz being an assistant coach on Woody Hayes' staff. You mentioned you guys got down 10-0. O.J. Simpson had a big run to give you guys a lead. <laughs> yeah. And I heard Lou Holtz got in a little bit of hot water. Can you uh, yeah, describe yeah. what happened there? Well, at halftime, you know, it's 10-10, to 10, and Woody wants to fire the defense up and uh, wants to get our defensive backs all fired up as well. And so he goes in, and he's trying to find Lou Holtz, and he can't find Lou anywhere. <laughs> he goes in the back of the locker room, and Lou knows that Woody's trying to <laughs> corral him. And so Lou is kind of hiding between some lockers and Woody finds him and Alex when uh, Woody was in the service he was a prize fighter and he was left-handed and he was extremely strong well he apparently finds Lou and he grabs Lou by the throat and he picks him up and he puts him up against the locker and says why did OJ run 80 yards for the touchdown Lou said, that's all he had to go, coach. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, he got in a little hot water, but uh, Lou always had those uh, quick one-liners. And even to this day, he could still come up with those. Uh, he, he was quite a wonderful addition to our coaching staff when we were there. That's all he had to go because he could have gone 90 or 100 yards <laughs> if he had to. Hey. He could have run to the Pacific Ocean. I mean, he, he was off and gone, Alex. All right, Rex. Well, you were the MVP, named MVP of that game, and MVPs of big games like that often have a player or two where you can kind of look back and say, 
Yeah, that play right there is why they they earned that award. So, which play or, or couple of plays do you think sealed that award for you that day? Interesting question, Alex. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that was really my uh, best game. It may have been. Uh, well, it's kind of like Rufus Mays. Roof was always one that could uh, could break the tension and uh, interject a great deal of humor. And uh, Roof Roof said to uh, after uh, now it, compared to what they do today, Alex. Uh, the presentation of the Rose Bowl Most Valuable Player Award took place in our locker room. Uh, it was very quiet, very subdued. And right after I got that, Roof turns to the team and he goes, Hey, look, the kid only plays one full game and he gets the MVP of the Rose Bowl. Uh, that was probably the only game I finished all year long. So it seemed to me that, uh, gee, I ought to get awarded something for just finishing the game my sophomore year. After all the injuries I had uh, endured through that season. But uh, really, you know, I think our our whole team should have gotten the uh, – the award. I mean, our defense played lights out uh, first half. They had a challenge. Uh, they really shut OJ and Steve Soggy down the second half. Uh, guys are running backs. Uh, Jim Otis was just a pal driver. Uh, Odie was getting two and three yards at a clip. He was always getting those real tough yards. Leo Hayden, our tailback, holy cow, Hondo had a terrific game uh, off tackle. Uh, you know, I, I guess probably, uh, Alex, uh, I think I threw two touchdown passes. I'm not sure if I ran for one, but uh, I guess probably maybe from a leadership standpoint, uh, that help tremendously uh and the two touchdown passes uh ray gillian caught one and leo caught the other uh but you know that the whole team really shared in that award and uh, that's how i accepted it so that meant you guys were national champions undefeated by beating southern cal in that game what was the reception like for you guys uh getting back to columbus and, and you know bringing that honor and that distinction as the the nation's best team home to Ohio State. It, it uh, to this day, I believe uh, it was the time that uh, Ohio State football had been really good uh, up until about three years, two and a half years before our sophomore class had the opportunity to play. And uh, there's an author that has written a book recently. Uh, uh, and the 68 season uh, really saved Ohio State football. It put us in a different league at that point in time. Um, you know, we should have our sophomore class. Uh, we only lost one Big Ten game uh throughout my career and that was to those guys up north and uh 
they were just a darn better football team than we were that day. And over our career, we only lost uh, two football games. And the last one was in the uh, 1971 Rose Bowl against Stanford. But I, but I really believe that, uh, you know, the 68 team gelled together because we had great senior leadership. We had great juniors that embraced us. And we had a bunch of super sophomores that didn't know any better. And we just went out and we just reveled and loved to play football and uh, perform on the field. And so I think uh, putting all that together just uh, made that season so special <clears throat> that even today, 50 years later, uh, there are people in Columbus that can still tell me that, Rex, you know, I was seven years old when you guys won the national championship, or I was 12 years old, or I was 60-some years old. Uh, it... Uh, it still resonates throughout Ohio State football lore that uh, the 68 team uh, was pretty darn good. And I think one of the major factors behind that, Alex, was that the phrase that Woody told me that the group of guys, when we get together, we really enjoy one another's company. They, they are and were and continue to be great friends and they just uh they don't get any better than those guys well said rex and before i let you go i want to ask you about your post ohio state career and getting drafted by a franchise like the baltimore colts and not to play quarterback but to play defense uh you played defensive back and safety i wanted to, to know how much of that had to do with being behind a guy like johnny unitas for that position well, Alex, that was the that was the whole intent. Uh, the, the, the draft came and went, and I got a call and picked up the phone, and they said, "Rex, welcome to the Baltimore Colts. Uh, we've got a guy by the name of uh, John Unitas. He can still play quarterback, and his backup last year, or Earl Morrill, won the Super Bowl for us. So you're going to be a defensive back." <laughs> and I said, "Well, uh, I." I kind of thought that was going to be the case, Alex, and uh, I just thought uh, wherever I can play, wherever I can make a contribution to the team, that's what I want to be able to do. And uh, really, my lifelong dream was to be a Major League Baseball player, but as things worked out, uh, I became an NFL uh, starting cornerback, uh, Alex, my rookie year for the Baltimore Colts, and uh Got to start there for the Colts for three years and then uh, went to Buffalo and uh, started uh, at free safety there in the uh, playoff game against Pittsburgh in 1974 it was. And after that game, I had uh, back my second back surgery and uh, I had to retire from the game. And so uh, that was... That was uh, a great opportunity, and it was a whole lot of fun, and I got to meet and play with some uh, from great great pros, especially in Baltimore. Yeah, I read that Johnny Unitas asked you to work out with him or practice with him and then hang out with him after practice. Can you uh, get into that story a little bit and, and what that experience was like? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we were at uh, Westminster uh, College in Western Maryland College, and uh, right right after practice, this was about uh, you know training camp was uh, winding down, and uh, many of the cuts had been made, and. Uh, Earl Morrow and uh, Johnny Yu said after practice, they said, uh, hey, Rex, uh, why don't you stay out afterwards and uh, why don't you work out with us a little bit? They said, uh, you know, we'll kind of compete. Of course, at that time, uh, those guys were up under center, Alex, and they take the snap and they backpedaled. Johnny had this uh, unique backpedal and stop, plant and throw. And so he said, Rex, you could uh, work on your, the way you come out of your back pedal with us. And so, well, we were doing that. And <laughs> then we go in the locker room and they go, hey, uh, hurry up, let's take a shower. And then we'll go down to Oz and Jenny's. And Oz and Jenny's was a local uh, hangout for the Colts. Uh, it was a little uh, bar down around campus and so uh you know guys i yeah i went in and took a shower and i thought holy cow i don't you know i don't drink uh so i'm afraid to go down with those guys but although i tell unitas and moral that i'm not going with them so i grabbed my i grabbed my playbook and i ran outside and of course johnny was already headed to his car and Earl was straggling. He was the last guy out. So I jumped behind bushes and I'm, I'm hiding behind the bushes. I'm holding my Baltimore Colt playbook up to my chest. And I'm, I'm waiting for those guys to leave and Earl gets in the car and they're waiting and they're waiting. And I'm thinking, Hey, go guys. So finally Earl rolls down the window and they, they both yell and they go, Hey rookie, get out of the bushes, get in the car. And so I go, oh, my. So I jump in the car, and we go down to Oz and Jenny's. And, gee, you know, the old vets were there, Tom Matty, Danny Sullivan, Jerry Logan, Ricky Volk, uh, you know, all these guys. And all of a sudden, I sit down, and there are six cans of beers in front of me before I know what happened. And so uh, I'm thinking there is no way I can drink all six of these. So. My good Buckeye friend, Tom Matty, goes, hey, we'll help you out. So, uh, you know, they all jumped in. They all said, hey, now, you got to get rid of all these because we're going to be late for a meeting and it's a hundred bucks fine. Shoot, that was almost my whole contract that year. So I said, I better get going. So uh, uh, that's really when I felt uh, I was accepted as a Baltimore Colt. I mean, uh I golly, uh, growing up as a young kid and uh, being on the team with John Unitas and Tom Matty, Earl Morrow, John Mackey, Bill Curry, Bubba Smith, Mike Curtis, uh, and being a part of that defense, being the top defense in the uh, NFL, uh, uh, that was real. Really, I would probably say, Alex, that was probably – one of the crown jewels that I was able to accomplish to uh, go from a uh, quarterback at Ohio State to a starting corner in the NFL my rookie year. Well, it's a great story, Rex, and uh, you have a lot of great memories and accomplishments to reflect on, especially coming up on this special anniversary of the 50 years 
since uh, the memorable Rose Bowl and that memorable season when you guys were national champions. So I appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, that's all I got hey, for you. I, I, Alex, let me jump on one more thing. Go you right know, ahead. We talked to, okay. Uh, we, we jumped on about uh, going to Ohio State and getting an education. Uh when I worked at Ohio State on the offseason from the NFL, I ran a longitudinal study on the varsity O football players that graduated for Woody Hayes. And during that tenure, he had a graduation rate of 87.6% of the varsity O football players graduated. Of that group, another 37.6% went on to graduate or professional school. That speaks volumes of what Woody believed in education. And those same percentages match up directly with the 1968 national champion Buckeye football team. You guys have a lot to be proud of. And, you know, Woody was a legendary coach and obviously a legendary molder of men. And and you've kind of really touched on that and, driven that point home for sure in this uh, discussion. Okay, Alex, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. No, Rex, appreciate your time. Like I said, you've been very generous and a uh, ton of great stories. And for someone like me who's of a younger generation, it's been great to hear how things were and uh, how things have also kind of stayed the same in football uh, these last 50 years. That's great. Thank you. All right, thanks once again to Mr. Rex Kern for joining me. Really cool to be able to talk to him and uh, hear him reflect on one of the best teams in Big Ten history and, and some different times in college football when you know, freshmen couldn't play. I thought that was interesting to hear about and how just the offense was different. Some of the coaching philosophies and tendencies were different, to say the least, under Woody Hayes. And uh, it's always cool. I've, I've had a couple of uh, older guys on at Bob Wenzel on the last podcast talk about his days coaching Rutgers and uh, it's cool to hear from guys of a you know a different era reflect and, and do it so sharply and uh, and intensely as Bob Wenzel and, and Rex Kern have the last two episodes. It's been a privilege. So appreciate Rex joining me for about an hour here on the show. Appreciate everyone out there. Um, if you if you listened and Ohio State fans listening haven't heard other episodes of the show, I highly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast where uh, podcasts are found on either. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Podbean. You can find them in their entirety on YouTube as well. So once again, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to my producers for helping put the show together. Includes uh, Wes White, Julie Bronder, and uh, Colleen Degnan. Thanks a lot, guys, for your help. And like I said, we'll try and bring more shows uh, throughout the holidays. The holidays might get in the way a little bit but um we'll do our best to bring you one every week and until then everyone have a merry christmas happy holidays enjoy the time off uh relax a little bit and, and get ready for these bowl games and the rest of college basketball season coming up thanks to everyone out there and we'll talk to you next time here on the take 10 podcast